for about four and a half years now. Um, I've Jose for about six years now. I have four kids. My oldest, Gabriel, who is five. He's the schedule wrecker that I can't be here. Um, I had a daughter, Adeline, who passed away. I shared her about two years ago. And then I have my son, Isaiah, who's two and a half. And my youngest, Benjamin, just turned one. So I'm a bit busy with them. Um, before we jump into chapter four, I'm going to recap a little bit of chapter six. Working? Okay, there we go. <laughs> All right, so last week you guys had the pleasure of hearing Chelsea speak about the fall, and I imagine it was good because based on what I read, it was really wonderful. Um, so, you know, we've had God create the world, He creates man, and now we have the fall. And I loved um, how Chelsea put it in the book saying, our propensity to question and deny what God has established to be good and beautiful and to instead take hold of what they believe possesses satisfaction in life. Um, Eve is tempted because it seems good and she shares with Adam and now sin has entered the world and they become exiled from presence and relationship with God as it was intended to be. We see brokenness in relationships with God, ourselves, and others. And now we're going to see more of sin and brokenness experienced outside the garden um, here in chapter 4. So I'm actually going to read the first um, so many verses I'm going to focus on today in chapter 4. So if you want to open your Bibles, I'm going to focus on verses 1 through 8. And before I read that, I'm just going to pray. I grew up always praying before you read your Bible, so I'm going to pray for us um, again right before we start. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that we get the chance to come and learn more about you with others, Lord, and fellowship. God, I pray that you would give me the words you want me to speak this morning, that you would help me to be clear in um, displaying what you have shown me and what I have learned, and um, you would just you would just use me, Lord, and you would help um, everything to be understandable and clear. In your name, Amen. All right, so we're gonna start in chapter four, verse one. Now Adam and Eve, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, "I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord." And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. 
And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So we're seeing life outside the garden for the first time in this chapter. Um, we see Adam and Eve begin to start a family, the very first family ever. And we are seeing them fulfill their commission God gave them to be fruitful and fill the earth. Um, they have their firstborn, Cain, and his name is Hebrew for gotten, and it's Eve's kind of way of showing like we owe his existence to God. But what's interesting is, you know, she doesn't say anything about Abel's name and what it means. Later in the chapter, she talks about Seth and what his name means, but she doesn't mention Abel. And his... <laughs> so, poor Abel. He gets the short end of the stick, you know? <laughs> um, and Abel's name actually means breath or vapor, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> um, so we see Cain and Abel. They're, Cain, he's a farmer. Abel is a, sh is a shepherd. So they're both doing, you know, what God had given man as a job to work the ground with animals. And now we're seeing the first time offerings are being done. And if you've grown up in the church, you probably think more of offerings as like sacrificial and kind of atonement. But at this point, offerings is more of an expression of worship, of commitment or gratitude to God um, for providing faithfulness in their labor. And so we see Abel's gets accepted and Cain's gets rejected. Now, perhaps this is the first time Cain has felt rejection in his life, um, but we don't know why God rejected. There's definitely different theories from based on all the commentaries and things I've read. Some people think perhaps that um, Abel's offerings were more costly to give from the first of his flock and the fat portions versus uh, Cain's just giving of his first fruits. Perhaps Cain didn't give the best of what he had, um, but what I think is more likely, it was his intentions and heart behind his offering to God. And we see in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And perhaps Cain gave out of obligation because, oh, we're starting to do offerings. This is what I'm supposed to do not out of worship or gratitude to God. Um, I think we could probably relate to ourselves in what we offer God ourselves. Um, over the summer, uh, a small group, we read a book called Surrender to Love by David Banner. And he has a chapter where he talks about love and obedience. And I thought there were some really great quotes that made me think of this. So I'm going to share a couple of them with you. The first one is, it is quite easy to obey God for the wrong reasons. What God desires is submission of our heart and will, not simply compliance in our behavior. He wants obedience in both conduct and heart. Motivation counts because God wants our love and friendship, not just the right behavior. And I think can't this be us? It's so easy to be, I read my Bible today, I prayed, I serve, I did this, this, and this, but what is your heart behind that service? Because it could be so easy to just do the right thing. Oh, it's Sunday, it's time to go to church. That's what we do. But are you really, like, what is your heart behind that? And I think we have to 
check that and kind of change our perspective because I think it can, we can take it for granted and it can weigh on us. We're like, oh, it's Sunday, I have to go to church. Well, what if instead of I have to, I get to go to church, I get to go worship God with others in fellowship. I have to go serve. Oh, it's my turn to serve again this month if it's in children's ministry or greeting or something else. What if instead of I have to go, I get the chance to go be God's hands and feet to other people? Um, oh, I have to pray today. I didn't pray today. Well, what if I get to intercede for others on their behalf through prayer to God? So whatever that is, I have to blank whatever that is for you. I get to do that. And I feel like that's just kind of, it's hard sometimes because we can get in those routines of things, but also focusing our mind of how can I change my perspective of, wow, like I really get this opportunity. Um, I'm going to look again at verse 5. It says, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So I think all of us could agree. I would probably feel angry too if I was getting rejected by God. I don't know if this is only one time or maybe it's happened a few times. So there's kind of like this pent up anger that this keeps happening to me and my brother over there, you know, or if this is the first time. And that phrase, his face fell, according to the commentary I read, said it's the only time that expression is used in the Bible. And it means to not look at God, to deliberately turn away because of not wanting to relate with God. And I thought, wow, like that's a pretty bold statement to make, especially when it seems at the time God is like very audible to Cain. And so he's obviously extremely angry. And we see in verses six and seven, God tries to encourage Cain to, you know, you let's try again, like you can do better, like there's another opportunity for you. And he also warns him at the same time. So Cain has to learn how to deal with anger and disappointment at this time, which we don't know if he's ever felt that way before. Um, and God warns him, temptation is, is there, it's waiting for you. He knows, like, God obviously knows what's going to happen, and he's trying to, you know, you know, have you ever watched one of those movies and someone's going to do something, you're like, no, don't do it, but they don't hear you, <laughs> and then you're like, why did you do that? I imagine that's kind of how God felt in a way, like, don't do that, and he still did it, so we're seeing temptation is inside the garden and outside the garden, but so is God. He is still there. Um, I read a verse in Romans 7, 18. It says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And so this is the example I thought of. Any Marvel Avenger fans in here? All right. Um, so I thought of, if you ever watched the Avengers or Thor, I thought of his brother Loki. And if you've ever watched them, sometimes it seems like he has these, like he's going to do the right thing this time. And he just doesn't. <laughs> and you're like, come on, you can do it. And so I thought of him and just how and we could think of ourselves, like sometimes we have the best intentions to do the right thing, but our flesh fails and we just we, we just can't do it. 
for some reason. And perhaps that was Cain desired to do the right thing, but sin kept him from following through on doing that. And I think with him and, you know, I can only imagine, I'm sure most of you have siblings, if not you have children, that you can see sibling relationships. And you know that there's always, you, you kind of have to make sure things are very fair. I mean, I have three boys, and if one gets one thing, I have to like, okay, you get it too. Everybody gets one too, or else there's that animosity and stuff. And so I think we can have similar experiences, not just with siblings, but with other people. Um, not being, sometimes it's hard for us to not be able to see why God blesses others and not us. Um, some of the examples I thought of was um, perhaps if you're single and seeking a spouse, you wonder why is God blessing that relationship with them living in sin and I'm over here doing the right thing and I'm still waiting for a spouse? Or if you're struggling with infertility, why does so-and-so keep getting to have babies and I'm over here struggling trying to get that? Or whether it's a loss in finances or your job and you see someone else who keeps getting promotions and blessed and you're over there struggling or you just lost your job, whatever it may be, it's very easy for us to wonder, why is God blessing that person and not me? And it doesn't always have to be like more material things, but it could also be uh, more on the spiritual level of maybe God seems more real to other people than he does to us. You watch other people worship and raise their hands, or you see them sharing what they learned or felt God put on their heart, or just by their life and actions displaying your faith, their faith. And sometimes it's easy to feel like, oh, like, why don't I feel like God is that real to me? And we can feel that way. You could sit on the why all day, and you might never know. And so what do we do with the why? So I read a great commentary that I thought they put it best, so I'm going to share what they said. It said, when people ask why, now let me pause for a second before I jump ahead. So he mentions Job. If you have never heard the story of Job, Job loses everything. He loses his family. He loses wealth. Just He loses everything, just to put that in context before I finish this. So when people ask why, in this fashion, they usually get no answer, even when there is one. There was a story behind Job's suffering that could have explained the why, but God does not tell him this story. God makes him learn to live without knowing why. He is interested only in what happens now. Isn't that so hard to live without knowing why? Um, I know for me and my husband, we live with not knowing why our daughter died. And it's hard to live without knowing why. And But it says he's interested only in what happens now. How are you gonna, how are you living without knowing why? He's interested in how we handle and wrestle with experiences, others, whether it's others being blessed when we are not, or just sitting in that why. Why, why did that happen? So as I conclude, I have a couple questions for you. You can discuss in your groups or just write it down to for yourself later to kind of do a heart check for yourself of where you're at. Um, the first one, and I don't remember if it's a question I already had in the book, so sorry if it's repetitive. <laughs> what am I offering God? 
What are my intentions behind that offering? Am I doing it out of obligation because it's the right thing to do? Or am I doing this out of my love for God? Or am I just trying to be obedient following the rules? What, is, what are my intentions behind that? Um, what is the why you're wrestling with today? Perhaps there's something that you have been wrestling with yourself. And how are you handling that why? And I think sometimes, nobody's perfect in this room, um, we're not doing so well with the why. We let the why eat away at us. Um, and then last, what are some changes you could make today? Whether maybe you need to change your perspective on um, your opportunities to get to go to church. Not I have to go to church. I get to go worship God. Or maybe it's just in... You know, I can be happy for that person, even though I am in my own stuff right now. So I'm going to pray for us. And then when I'm done, you guys are able to go to your rooms and discuss in your groups. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for your truth God, and how you use this for even us today and the lessons we can learn, Father. I pray for those in this room who may be struggling with why, God, that you would give them peace and comfort in their heart, Lord. Perhaps this is a season of waiting of what will happen next, or maybe they're going to learn to live without knowing why, God. But I pray that you would just be with each and every one of them Help them to lean on you and trust you and know that you are still good and you are still God. I pray that you would just be with us in our discussions, Father, and you would just just be so present and loving in our lives, God. Amen. You guys are excused to your rooms.